Hello and welcome to Find the Path Podcast's actual play of the Mummy's Mass Adventure Path. But it's an after party. So actually, welcome to After Party 38. 38. Yeah, where we talk about and things. episodes 112, 113, and 114. Man, what episodes those were too. Wild. Some wild episodes. Pretty epic. Go, go down in history. Will they? Will they? I don't think they will. Technically, with the way history works, everything we do goes down in history. We are recording this for posterity. Like, posterity. Yes, posterity. and the internet never forgets. And we are the victors. I mean, I mean yeah. we did win. So we're not dead. We write the history. Yeah, just like <laughs> our uh, Osiriani forebears. Yes. Weird. I guess. Yes. Sure. Totally true. If any sure. one of us angers the wow. rest of us enough, we'll write you completely out of the history books. Yep. We'll, we'll go on a race. Erase yeah, we're, you know, we're going to go be like uh, the peoples in, uh, was it Chiliax? Yeah. Yeah, where they just change the history every year. Yep. Yeah, yeah fine. there you go. It's totally, totally fine. Then someone can be That's the forgotten true. player. It'll be cool. They can have their own mask. <laughs> anyway. Goodness. Uh, I guess we should do a little baby recap, which uh, I'm going to hand off just not myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, so in episode 112 was the continuation part two of your fight against the cultists and Kaubeck and the shadow of the pyramid of uh, Chisasek. So that one went well. I went better than I thought it was going to go. Cause as soon as I, as soon as I saw Kaubeck flying around, we had all these archers way up high. I was like, oh man, we're just going to get peppered. And I'd had that web spell that I was like, did I just screw us over? I <laughs> yeah. You're like, you were like, oh, well we'll go hide inside. Wait, no, there's webs. Yeah, the webs were a bit of a mixed bag. Well, yeah. I think it delayed what the Lamia yeah. were able to do. It so limited both groups' movement because yeah. it, it it was basically at that, it was at an intersection point where the entrance into everything inside. And so funny enough, this is what after parties are for. Yeah. The cultists, the four cultists that came out onto the upper walkway after the initial four cultists, the other Those ones jerks. that came out from above you and were shooting down at you from the other side. I actually had them have to show up two rounds later. Because you remember when you walked into that room where the Lamia was, there was a large circular opening in the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Is they would throw down ropes, repel down, and then come out to fight you. Oh, man, they were a full SWAT team on us. But when they they ran over there and they looked down, it's just a giant thing full of webs. And they said, F that noise. And so they started shooting (laughs) at you from above. So you might have had to deal with some more falchions if you didn't have a web I was going to say, that's 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 actually fine because they were a lot less deadly with the arrows than they were with the falchions. Yeah. True. I mean, it hurt. (laughs) They aren't that accurate with their crossbows, except for when they're casting True Strike. But, of course, having to do fire a crossbow, next round, four-round action reload... Next round, true strike. Round three, fire the crossbow again. <laughs> yeah. There's a long turnaround for that technique to to work. It works well but for I the first round of combat, but... I'm very pleased with that web spell because those falchions were way scarier, and at least the Lamia couldn't get to Sudi immediately and start killing his wisdom. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, because I think Masika was the only one that took a real big hit to her wisdom in that I, fight. I think so. Yeah, but I got rid of most of it already because I had a restoration. Yeah, but in the fight, it was an issue. Yeah. I got to use some cool things with Kaubeck I didn't get to use the first time, like that cool uh, Aurora Borealis firewall thing, which was oh, awesome. Yeah, that was yeah. super cool. So tell us more about his bloodline, because like that was super cool. Read us his, yeah, his stat block, Rick. N- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What which, was... which would you prefer? All. Yeah, we told him all about him. <laughs> we deserve this. Fair enough. I want to know how he got in the cult. Ooh, yeah, that too. So uh, I can't really go into that. I didn't think you oh, would, but so I thought I would gonna try. come out. Probably. Hmm. But he has the Star Soul Bloodline, which is really cool, where in essence you gain powers from uh, delving deeply into the darkness beyond the stars, touching which the void, neat. and the void touches you, and your mind, spirit, and body yearn to span the gulf between worlds. Which is just kind of neat, and he gets to... Uh, he never used it, but he also he can summon tiny meteors that rain down on people. <laughs> oh, he gets a mini meteor swarm. Yeah, he gets a. It's a five foot column, thirty feet high, with a range of thirty feet. Uh, it wow. does kind of piddling. It's one d four points of fire damage plus one per two sorcerer levels. So it's uh, not. Okay. A whole I mean, it would have looked cool. That's that's his cool. Gets it at first level ability, mm. and then at third level he gets low light vision and resists cold and fire five. And at ninth level, which he was, he no longer has to breathe. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. 
uh, which means in essence, if it's something that's like an inhaled poison or anything like that, he can just choose to go, ah, I'm not breathing. And then uh, the Aurora Borealis is the, uh, he can create a sheet of cascading colors that acts as a wall of fire, but inflicts cold damage and does not radiate heat and causes a fascinate effect to anyone within 10 feet on on a side that you choose. So it was, oh, yeah. So in essence, and since it's an opaque wall, if, if there was a group, he could actually split the group in half, half of the part of the group that's not getting damaged would have to roll against the fascinating and the other half of the part of the group that is getting damaged would be burning on the other side of a wall. But since the people that are fascinated can't see the people that are being damaged, it doesn't count as something to break their fascinate. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's super tricky, powerful. Tricky. Yeah, so it's it's a tricky ability. So was his story about being descended from those pharaohs like true at all? Or is that just some lie he was spinning to try to get the party to let him do the research with him? Specifically, he believes mm-hmm. he is descended from the pharaohs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see this as like a pharaohs of numbers, like descendant somewhere off the hmm. off the line. Well, right? technically, he was, he was descended stars. from uh, on Yuris's line. Well, that's, that's what, what he claimed. Mm-hmm. But of course, he has no evidence one way or the yeah. other for that. And of course, the, the other cool thing that this bloodline gives you is you get uh, at ninth level, you get call lightning storm, except for deals fire damage instead of mm. electricity damage. And instead of and this came up a little bit in that in that episode instead of it needing to be stormy outside to do the extra damage it just has to Dark. be nighttime mm. yep so as long as it's nighttime he does extra damage man that is a really cool bloodline it is a killer is, bloodline that is neat. and you guys got to see a lot of his higher level uh, spells but yeah you, and you eventually managed to kill him Sudi did Sudi did yeah Sudi did. Until next that's episode. next episode I was gonna say Citra had that yeah. scroll of fly <laughs> yeah so in this episode you guys did kill the cultist that was responsible for Onurus's death though yep Citra flat out murdered a guy yeah yep. deserved it I'm, I think she's gonna feel real guilty about it later I don't yeah. think she should it, he killed she, her she, friend. Maybe she shouldn't, but she's still gonna feel guilty. It's still a life that's taken. Like she he freaked killed out the first himself. time. Yeah, then to she be should fair, feel they guilty all kill themselves anyway. All the cultists that she have been does. killed up to this point. She hasn't actually well, killed that many, but she, she does feel guilty about killing anybody. That's she's good. So behind the screens, getting into a technicality here. Most of the cultists detonate when they fall unconscious because they can choose to. So when they hit zero hit points, they basically kill themselves. I think this is the first cultist that Citra did so much damage that she dropped him past his constitution in the negative. Like he died Oh, and then detonated. So this wasn't really a self-immolation so much as that's also the, they all have a kill switch basically that engages whenever you drop someone. Also kill switch engage, decent band. Okay. So the following episode, the fight continued. You managed to defeat the Lamia. You managed to defeat all the rest of the cultists. You managed to kill Kaubeck. With Super Sudi. With Super Sudi flying yep. around through the air. So worried you were going to fail that check. Okay. <laughs> I've been so. holding on to that scroll for a while. Like I bought it when we had a good haul, like. Gosh, I don't even remember how many episodes ago. And I literally, like, every single time we got into a, you know, rough situation, I was like, I'm going to use my scroll to fly. I'm going to use my scroll to fly. And then finally the moment came and we used it on Sudi. And that's why I was so terrified because I'd been holding on to it for so long that if you had failed that friggin' check. Oh my gosh, it would have ruined everything. I was curious how that was going to work. So it would have been interesting. But yep. I was glad it worked though. That's, I'm thinking that Hollis is going to scribe some more scrolls of fly if we ever get time. Yeah. Yeah, I that'd be super useful. It. You know, Sky Pharaoh and all. I think we're going to need <laughs> some <laughs> flight. I know. I feel like I need to invest in a cloak of the bat just so I can get a fly ability. <laughs> Celestial armor, man. I can't wear armor. I'm a monk. A Love living her. monolith monk. Well, that's on you. That's why you should have been a Magus living monolith, Jordan. <laughs> I mean, I I still think if I was if I wasn't a monk, I would have done fighter. But if you were Magus, you could have cast fly on yourself. Yeah, Inquisitor uh, Phrasma would have been true. cool too. That's true. I would, yeah, I could also an Inquisitor. Yeah, I would love the Inquisitor. So following that, you guys went inside. You checked around a little bit, and you found Tedasura. Yeah, she's not as helpful as I thought she was going to be. 
Of course she's not. She's well, a sphinx. Now she's a sphinx, so I she's going to be she all ugly. I thought she would be a little bit more forthcoming considering the dire situation we're in. I, I was not happy about the pronoun game that she played. I still have no idea what she's talking about. We didn't have to make any riddles, though. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. There, I can't remember where I heard this before, and it wasn't pertaining towards sphinxes, but kind of my thought process whenever you guys were talking about it, it's like, well, you know, maybe she could be more helpful and all the rest of this to us. And it's like, can't you just give us a straight answer? It's why do cats, when they're full, still kill things? It's, it's just their nature. The reason that she can't answer you directly is it's just her nature. She can't. Yeah, but she could have offered us a game or something and she just, nope. We're just going to play the pronoun game. I'll throw this out there, and Heather may take some some chagrin at this, but I was actually very happy with the way that conversation turned out because I said, I think, two sentences, and then the party went back and forth and back and forth, and you basically pieced together the entirety of what she would tell you by just collating all the information that you already had. Yeah, but we don't know if we're right or not. Well, do you ever know you're right or not when you're doing these kinds of investigations? Nah. No, we would have known who Teddy Sir was talking about, though, if she quit playing the pronoun game, though. That's what I'm saying. I think Sudi even literally uh, something about, like, oh, she's playing the pronoun game. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that we know that uh, Hakatep had three great loves, whether they were familial or not. Yeah. And there's one that he carried into the afterlife. What if Hakatep was an item with Chisisek, which is why they've stolen the body to take them and reunite them? That's what I was kind of thinking, too. I thought maybe I don't see Chisisek giving a flying frick about those kind of relationships. He literally worked himself to death. Yeah, he did yeah, literally I mean, work himself to death. <laughs> or he was murdered in a, in a very sneaky way. I That's think the possible. the first one I suspect is the the lady. The second one I think is the brother betrayed him. So the first one was like the the I, I guess it'd technically be his cousin, cousin. sister. I don't know. It'd be yeah, his so the cousin, his cousin wife, cousin wife. Yeah. So I think that was the first one, and then the second one I think was his brother betraying him. That's mm-hmm. just my my suspicion. The third one I don't know. Well, remember we know that he was married at some point. I still think he married his cousin, so maybe there's an undead cleric of set we're going to have to deal with, too. That'd be cool. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the one one that carried on into the afterlife. Yeah, because I think it said one was... uh, Fate intervened, one was betrayal, and one carried on into the afterlife. Yeah. so the undead don't go into the afterlife. Well, you know. He's That's why I don't now, think so. He's not into the afterlife either anymore, technically. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I think she was the first one, and then the brother was the second one. I think the brother had to betray, I think. Because but wouldn't he have loved his brother before he met his cousin wife? No, but it was just like, I think that was just how they ended. Oh. Well, because, yeah, because right, we basically fast forwarded to a point where he's already Pharaoh and the brother just disappeared. Well, yeah, we don't know what he happened. He just didn't go with him on that journey. Possibly. That's also possible. So that's yeah, just my suspicion. I don't I don't have any basis or evidence for it. That's just from what we've gathered. That's what I'm sus- that's what I think so far. It was his greatest weakness. So he loved too much. So here's my question about Tedasura. I lo- I, I want to know what are, what were the circumstances where she read the uh, the uh, snake Scipia snake sig- oh, uh, yeah. sigil. I'm sure because, it was a trap that the cultists laid down, and then when she was in there well, fighting Well, did they charm them, her first so that she would fail it, or what? You know, Maybe she just rolled a one. I, I mean, she could have very well. <laughs> it doesn't actually give me a lot of details on that. Really? What? It just says, like, oh, she's in she's in amber? Yeah. <laughs> but there's got to be a better way to deal with her than put her in amber. They may have been planning on dealing with her a bit more later. Because yeah. uh, they didn't well, kill yeah, her, which you can those, actually like, do uh, yeah. when someone's trapped in yeah. a, a snakesicle. Maybe she passed all oh, of her saves true. against Kabek's enchantment and he was out for the day. <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe. Tedasura's uh, save line is ridiculous. <laughs> she, well, she's a sphinx druid. I mean, Who's come on. 6,000 years old at least. Yeah, at least. Like, I love her. Crazy powerful. Yep. Did I show you guys the picture that they have in here of her? I've just so. seen the one on the cover. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. Oh, okay, yeah. I just want to know, and I'm going to guess uh, that was on Yuris's primary job while he was out here, but with cat paws, how does she get those amazing bangs? <laughs> That's all I want to know. <laughs> I'm, I, I, she just, I just has assume it's some bangs. kind of a mage hand or something that she's like got a you know, pair of scissors <laughs> yeah, doing the snipping for her. She's got the claw just <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, there's she's a hairdresser. Just, I, I was just disappointed that Onuris didn't have like five ranks in profession hairdresser or something. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Her bangs are looking a little long, and a little, she got a few split ends because Onuris didn't come to do the job that she needed him to do, which was a tr- was a trim up. That would be yeah. so good. Yeah, but we would have found amazing. her a heck of a lot quicker if Onuris had been there. Uh, probably. Did, so, did Onuris actually know about? I guess he would have known that location because she said that was her home. Well, he would have known where he was allowed. Yeah, he lived with her in the desert, and there was there was a certain place that he was not ever allowed to go, which would be where the actual pyramid and stuff is. Now that I've been there, uh, I assume. Okay. Onuris had never been to her home. Onuris lived in the desert and lived in the bed. Like Onuris lived 15 blocks down from the uh, bee people. Yeah. But, oh, okay. So he just, he sat in his cave and watched the giant rocks fly in and out and bask in the glory of Horus <laughs> with the horse birds. Horus birds. I imagine he probably went to the bee people every once in a while and got some honey, but not a euphemism, <laughs> which I think sometimes that is. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, ew. Uh, okay. As for... <laughs> That's but, where that bee larva came from. Oh, God. <laughs> it's the I guess they do in Sorcerer Baby, so it could have happened. <laughs> anyway, feasibly the party could have found her faster with Onuris. Maybe she would have not been petrified. There's a possibility, depending on how long you take, that you show up and she's dead. Oh. Oh, well, gracious. Good thing we didn't well, follow if, that route. Once this, this snake sigle ends, uh, she's already down in the negatives. So my we need to hurry up and get there instinct was correct. Yeah, you still had a little time. Not much. I mean, that's how but in a matter of days, not like weeks. Yeah. True. Yeah, but you got some information from her. You got some more backstory on Chisasek. What a great guy he was. And we saw his dang tomb, which I knew couldn't just be one room. You knew that that guy was going to have some sort of secret door doing something. <laughs> and he does. I'll, I'll just say the most impressive thing that like, you know, the clockworks and stuff are all very impressive, but being able to riddle with a pair of sphinxes for like two months straight. Yeah, that's impressive. That guy had to be like beyond Mensa level genius to be able to keep up with all that. High int, no wisdom. That's why he yeah. doesn't eat. And then he dies. No, no, that's definitely yeah. why he didn't eat or drink or otherwise take care of himself and wor- literally worked himself to death. In the flash- flashback, the fact was established that much to some other people's chagrin, maybe, especially the way things kind of work out here in the uh, the desert and the parched dunes, that he gets his magic from reading. Mm-hmm. So he's an he's oh, an imp based caster, unlike uh, shamans and such that make up most of the casters out in the parched dunes. Can I just say my biggest beef with this? Uh, hopefully, it'll be remedied soon. My biggest beef with this book is that there are no. Wizards with spell books. I bought a bunch <laughs> of magical ink. Where the heck are my scrolls okay. and my books? Here's what we find. Uh, we find Neptu a ticket construct and his spell book. That's before I joined the party. I know. I'm talking about this book. I'm talking about yeah. this book. <laughs> and if this guy's a wizard, where is his spell book? You raise your issues with Richard Pete. I'm sending him an email. A sternly worded wizard email. There's not always <laughs> wizards to fight in every single book. Goodness. But this is nothing but casters. This is casters, casters everywhere. There should be at least one wizard. And there is. And this is his tomb. Maybe we'll find something. This is a wizard tomb. Where is his wizard book? Well, we maybe we just haven't found it yet. Maybe it's in this worksheet, workshop. Maybe Amber Scott likes you more. I don't know. I hope so. Amber? I feel like we bonded at that one PaizoCon when I sat in your panel at the, like in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? She did a well, panel. It was cool. I know she did. I was at that panel with you. I didn't like say anything. No. But I feel like we had a deep connection. I, I will say though, getting to go down into <laughs> well, the burials area really felt like we kind of like, it kind of brought us back to like the book one, book two thing where we're going through all the tombs and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was really cool that like, you know, now we're back kind of doing the same thing. So we're back even to fighting golems. Yeah. I'm happy that they didn't find the secret door, maybe. They were cobwebs described as being yeah. all over it. That so. means that nobody's been through yeah. there. F off. No secret door for you, yeah, exactly. I just want a Narmer to cheer up Tedasura. I'm like, you're so sad. Look, here's this cute little clockwork thing. Be happy. <laughs> Nar- I think Sugar would have a better chance of it because it, she seems more intelligent. Like, she's a sapiosexual. Yeah. Oh, I definitely. Think, yeah. Yeah. It was more, here's a cute little clockwork thing. That's fair. <laughs> Again, she just she had a couple years with this brilliant person that could riddle with the best of them. 
and never found anybody else who can keep up with her is what well, it really comes down to, right? It's it's the interesting thing with sphinxes because the um, there aren't any males of whatever type of sphinx she is. Yeah, the, geno- the there aren't male genosphinxes. They're the ones that are really intellectual and great with the the puzzles and the riddles and all the rest of that. And then all the other male sphinxes are like, I've got a bird head and I screech and attack thing. And so actually finding someone that she could sit down and have this conversation with was very nice for her. Uh, And then he died. And then again, as she said, the world has, has never seen his like again. So sad. That's super sad. A single tear rolls down her cheek. Yep. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And you did get to go down there. You got to explore. You found out that uh, the body of Chisasek is gone. Which I understand it because if you want to figure out how to make this weapon work again. Why not take the source? Why not go to this? Yeah, go to the source and find the person who did it. But I am going to be very displeased if they raise him as some kind of undead monstrosity. And we have to put him back down. Yeah, Yeah, you mean when that happens? It's probably a win, not an if. But I'll be very upset because he sounds like such a cool dude. Like, he and I would be friends. We'd build robots together. It would be glorious. It's just a mummy inside of a mech suit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. If it was a mummy inside of a mech suit, it might actually be worth it. That sounds super cool. (laughs) You took a 180 there, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'm all for cool, unique experiences when it comes to my pathfinding. (laughs) At the expense of someone's soul. (laughs) But I will throw this out. A little bit of tease of what you guys are running into in the next one. But, you know, you open this door, you hear that clockwork in the distance. The golem gets up, gets angry and all the rest of that. I just appreciate the fact that I think it it was Heather that brought up. It's like, oh, well, you know, they they'll have a false tomb. They're not going to just bury him here. I think it might have been Jessica. And I do kind of like the fact that Chisisek went... You know what? That's just bury me in the regular tomb, but put my cool clockwork stuff in the false tomb. Yeah. That's hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't care about himself. That. Yeah. He cared about his work. Yeah, that makes sense. yeah, exactly. I know, which means they didn't find the good stuff. So I'm yep. excited. Any questions from y'all about these last uh, couple episodes? Observations? I feel like we always find cool, unique armor and stuff, but by the time we find it, we already have better stuff. Yeah, I was a little like, sad. I could wear that armor. The locust armor was cool. Yeah. Like, eh. it, Every once in a while, there will be an armor armor that shows up in a book, and I'll actually repurpose it a bit. Mm-hmm. And I considered that with this one, where I thought about, okay, maybe maybe I make this into a chain shirt or something that make it more appealing. But because it's made of like chitinous plates, yeah, like this chitin leather bug leather, it just didn't feel right to repurpose it. It felt like it would kind of lose some of it. The problem with the uh, problem with the cool armors you find that have like really neat abilities like that is to keep it on track with the treasure. They're usually not as hefty on the like plus two plus three. So the armor class bonus winds up being worse than what most people already have, which is why nobody takes it because, yeah, it would cut Masika's armor bonus from her armor in half. I think that's part of the reason why for second edition, they decided to go the runes route so that if you found an armor that did a cool thing, that it could be a rune that you could then go, that's a really cool thing. I'm going to put that on my armor now. And instead of it's like, I get access to this exclusive armor. It's I get access to the this exclusive rune that summons freaking locusts out of my plate mail now. Yeah. No, I could have had a whole like bug theme. Yeah. I was going to say, you could have been the bug lady. Again, I thought about it, but uh, it yeah, that bonus yeah. was not good enough. <laughs> and again, most of the armor that you find in, in these last few books has been light armor or kind of this classic armor stuff because they didn't really have one, you know, you wouldn't wear heavy armor in the desert. And two, I haven't ever seen this defined anywhere, but there's kind of an implication that plate mills a more modern invention. Or at least more northern. Yeah, well, yeah. I've always kind of thought as dwarves invented plate mail or something like that, because it just seems like, well, we don't need to get out of the way of things so much as just withstand it. Kind of the way that elves invent chain mail. <laughs> so, oh, man. So you guys feel like you're at the end of, uh, end of the book? No, this book is lasting forever. <laughs> I feel like this should be the end because we found the dang tomb. <laughs> like we found the tomb. Yep, our princess. And by that, I mean, bee babies in another castle. <laughs> So it's just a sec. <laughs> it's been the theme of this book. Your princess is in yeah. another castle. Your mummy's in yeah. another pyramid. It's true. Now you have a new destination in mind, though. The Sightless Sphinx. Curse it. Always another one. Well, this is only book three. 
I know. I keep forgetting that it's only book It feels three. like it's the end. It feels Not. like we we need to be in book four. <laughs> or five. Soon you can see what Amber E. Scott has prepared for you. All right. So moving on, let's talk about some emails from the folk. Uh, the first email comes from Maria, who is from Cincinnati. Well, nearby anyway. Cincinnati. I effing love gnomes and face stuff. <laughs> me too. So please take that into account when placing me in a Galarian. Uh, the Windchime Village. Oh, the Windchime Village. Done Windchime Village. Near Turtleback Ferry. We can't put all the gnomes in the Windchime Village because we've used that before. <laughs> we put every gnome so. in the Windchime Village. There's got to be another gnome village. Whistledown? Oh, that sounds right. That sounds right. Predominantly gnome and human. Yes. There we go. Yay, Whistledown. Whistledown. That is where you're from. Excellent. Uh, okay. Hi, Pathfolk. Two friends from my Pathfinder group have been telling me for a while to listen to your show. But given that I listen to three other Pathfinder actual play podcasts, a Starfinder podcast and a Monster of the Week podcast, <laughs> I was hesitant to add another show to my full podcast feed. Uh, they actually listen to way more than that. But they kept bringing you guys up and talking about how much fun the Mummy's Mask AP is. When they mentioned that you are all actually friends and nice to each other and three of the team members are women, I decided to give you guys a listen. Oh. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. And thank your friends. Yep. Those people, they're cool. Be friends with them. <laughs> Keep being friends. Uh, Keep being friends. We approve of them. About two months later, and I'm now up to episode 73. I think I got an email back from this specific person, and I think they're actually caught up at this point. Okay. Wow. So it's safe to say that I love it. Thanks for the fun show, solid gameplay, and friendly table dynamics. Aw, you're welcome. Yay. Yep, it does make neat. doing this a little bit easier if you're friends with people. Yeah, uh, it definitely <laughs> makes it easier. I don't know why so they think we're all friends. Easier. We secretly hate each other. That's yep. just Heather. She hates us. <laughs> we don't hang out anymore, but <laughs> hey, not hey, of our hey, own choice. There's, that's there's an international pandemic to blame for that. That's fair. It took an international say, pandemic to drive us apart. Yeah, people yeah. don't realize how much of our time this actually took up because we used to play and then go out to lunch. And talk about the game for like another two, three hours. <laughs> I have not seen Jess and Jordan in person in almost five months now. It's wild. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks real hard. Sucks. Anyway, yes, we are very good friends and all of the, it sucks not being able to see each other. But that's why yeah. we tell good stories. I so just started playing a 10th level cleric of Caden Kayleen in our nice choice of War for the Crown. <laughs> and I'm overwhelmed nice by choice. the number of spells to slog through. I'm only fairly recently back into playing Pathfinder, and I haven't played a higher level prepared caster in over a decade. Hmm. I'm fairly familiar with the cantrips and first and second level spells, but after that, most of it is new to me. Any suggestions for getting to know the spells? I read through the list fairly often, but it's not like it all sticks. I'm thinking of coming up with lists for different situations such as undead, social stuff, area of effect, etc. If I have those lists handy, maybe it'll be quicker and easier for me to remember and pick my spells and remember what they do. Well, any other suggestions? Funny that you should mention that. That's actually a blog post that I am working on for Ooh. that exact thing because I'm one of those people where I am forgetful and I I'm not great at the, you know, choose the spell for the situation. I'm very much a use the same stuff over and over again. Um, so when I'm playing a prepared caster, I forget that there is an entire book of spells. And so I am actually working on a project right now to do that very thing where I'm going to do it by different um, uh, different types of casters and I'm going to give suggestions for situations. So if you can hold out for, you know, maybe two, three weeks, I'm going to be doing a blog post on it. Well, if you can hold out and are also a supporter on our Patreon at the $10 tier. Yeah, that's, that's Patreon that's exclusive to, uh, that's the content kicker. right there. I, I mean, use use archives of Nethys because they yes. have all the spells from all the books condensed down by level, and really just kind of skim through and pick. I always write down about probably ten to fifteen spells of each level that I think are going to be handy, and those are the only ones I really worry about having to keep track of, unless we get, unless we know we're coming up onto a situation where something specific would be useful. That's when I really start to dig through. There's just so many spells. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like, the same thing. There's like favorites, right? Like if I'm taking a second level divine spell, I'm going to pick bone shaker because it's amazing. If I'm picking fifth level, I'm going to take flame strike because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. If I'm, what is it? Seventh level is destruction. Yeah. Sixth level's heal. Like there's mm -hmm. some that like, they're just great. You should always take them unless you're not going to be fighting anyone, you know? Yeah. But like yeah. lesser restoration, you probably should prepare that. 
Um, yeah, so like you I have your, your yeah. staple spells, and then there are like the situational spells. I think Param at No Direction made mm-hmm. spell cards, so you can yep, yep. download those and print those off and make your own little spell book. That way, you know, especially if your favorites are the ones you know you're going to use a bunch, that way they're handy and you don't have to look them up in a book or on your phone. And in fact, I think if you are a supporter on our Patreon, Jessica did write a blog post about the spell book that she made for Hollis, so you could kind of adapt it for a cleric. It's true. Clerics, the thing with clerics and druids is you can cast anything off of that list. So it is, it's harder because I just have to buy spells and then I just have to look at my much shorter list of spells that I actually have. And an important thing to mention, as uh, as Jessica has illustrated numerous times pertaining towards the wizards, but keep in mind that any prepared spellcasters, including clerics and, and druids, can leave spell slots open and then spend 15 minutes later communing with nature or praying to fill those spell slots. Mm-hmm. So it's underutilized, but... Yeah, if you have a wizard with quick study, you can do something similar. That's uh, as what well. Hollis does. Yeah, well, so. uh, any, any wizard can do it with 15 minutes. His quick study lets you do it in one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, um, but with quick study, it's like as long as you have one minute of, of notice, you can prepare just about anything. And like I said, yeah. with Masika, I have like 10 fifth level spells written down on her sheet, but she can only cast like three. It's like these are the ones that I think would be the most useful in the desert. So I have them written down as references. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually when I play a divine spellcaster, I tend to go... As far as prepping spells are concerned, I tend to go with one attack, one defense, one utility spell of each level. And then if Mm -hmm. I have more than three spells of that level, I leave the other slots open. Unless I specifically know that we're going to be going underwater tomorrow, I'm preparing nothing but freedom of movement. Because I want everyone to be able to move quickly underwater and water breathing and all the rest of that. Divine spellcasters, especially especially prepared divine spellcasters, are the most versatile casters in the game. Mm -hmm. Because yep. you have access to any spell, period. Mm-hmm. Well, that's on your list. Yeah, that's on. That's a divine <laughs> spell. But that's. I so. mean, that's a. And that is a huge list, um, especially mm-hmm. if you don't have all of the, you know, various um, kind of ancillary books that have put spells and stuff in there. Archives of Nethys is the only like unified collection of all of them. It is very very helpful. It's by spell level. And it gives you like a short description. And if it's interesting enough, you can always pull the long, you can click it and read the longer one. Like, And if, if you want to know if it's society legal, they also denote that on all the stuff on the archives mm-hmm. of Nethys as well. Although War for the Crown, you probably mm-hmm. aren't playing society legal characters, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's quite possible. GM discretion if the GM decided to do it as a society legal yeah. player is just to kind of limit things down from some well, more. I know, uh, I know some GMs say if a spell not allowed in society, you can't use it at the table. So that tends to be yeah. kind of my rule also. Yeah. Also, um, if you want advice, not just from us, you can go to the Find the Path Discord and you can actually ask character build questions on the Discord. There's a channel for it and you can get all the Path folks input and them some folks that know some spells. They they do know Absolutely. a lot on our Discord. All of this and being said, very nice. Cleric of Caden, great choice. That yes, is a right? great choice. Caden <laughs> is my favorite deity. Excellent. Also, War for the Crown, a little jealous. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so jealous. A little bit jealous. We'll never get to play it. It's so sad. Mummy's Mask has been great, though. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so thanks, Maria. You're yeah. welcome. Well, I ha- thank you, Maria. Yes, I'm glad you're enjoying the pod. Mm-hmm. And also call out to your friends because that was super nice to like, we're, we're not a pod that does especially good at like self-promotion really. And <laughs> so we've grown the way we have it. just by organic word of mouth for the most part. So anybody who tells anybody else to go watch it, we do appreciate that Get so much. Get out there, recruit your friends, bring them over to the cause. Be your friends, recruit strangers. It's fine. Promise <laughs> them it's not a cult. <laughs> We're not going to make you wear a mask. I mean, we, do we have, have cookies, cults though. involved, but we are against the cult. It's true. Yeah, we take a certainly. very listening to the voice in the cornfields. If you build it, they will come approach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a marketer who has ideas, shoot them our way. Also. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Email number two comes from Andrew. Uh, and let me read this address because it makes me a uh, die of laughter. Okay. Uh, please address any physical mail to 0981 Blackmore Lane, Lepenstad, Veland, Ustalov, Varicia, Galarian, the backed worlds, the vast, the material planes, the mind of Nethys. <laughs> <laughs> very specific. That is oh, that's amazing. Wonderful. It's very good. That is also the mind of Nethys is my favorite part. Also, you placed yeah. yourself. Good job. Yeah. Also, Lepenstad, good choice. Yeah, that's fun. I think fun. we may have talked to Andrew before. Anyway. Maybe. 
Greetings, Pathfolk and Table Tyrant Mummy Master. <laughs> table as much as I enjoy Mummy Master, Table Tyrant's pretty great. Table Tyrant is amazing. Oh my god. I will own that one. You get a dice bag now that just says Table Tyrant. Oh, seriously. That's amazing. A, chibi, uh, a chibi tyrant. Uh, yeah, a little yeah. whispering tyrant. Yeah, a little, yeah, just yeah. shaking his angry fun. fist. Rick, Rick oh, has, oh my gosh. That's Rick's new, new title. I love it. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll take it. That's right. amazing. This one has lots of praise, but I'm going to read it all because I'm not Rick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like each person gets a whole paragraph of praise. <gasps> oh, so brace oh, yourself. I'm not prepared. We deserve this. Thank you for telling us all about this, Andrew. We deserve this. <laughs> Times have been hard. We've had a difficult okay. time. We just killed Callback. We deserve this. Yeah, we deserve this. Yes. Uh, it should come as no surprise that I'm a tremendous fan of your work. I've listened to and enjoyed several actual plays, but yours is my favorite. Oh, Aww, thank you. you. Appreciate that. Even dethroning my previous favorite podcast, <gasps> which is mm, I've heard, I've heard good things oh. about them. I'll add in a swoosh sound effect whenever a beep or something, nice. whenever you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cutting swath through your backlog and I'm currently at episode four of the Faded Tales as I write. Oh. All oh, right, cool. here we go. Oh, man. He starts with Rick. This guy's my fave. Ooh. <laughs> I genuinely feel I have learned a tremendous amount from listening to you, and I've been a forever GM for the past 10 plus years. Everyone has their own style, but the level of confidence, knowledge, balance of impartiality and compassion and flawless improvisation you carry us is just breathtaking. Oh. So, no, it's definitely not all editing either. <laughs> uh, P.S. Narmer is very possibly the funniest character I've ever listened to. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> there you go. You I'm so happy everyone loves me. <laughs> but, although, oh. legitimately, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. So good. You can't uh, see, but he's got a slight blush. Aww. <laughs> Aww. All right, Rachel, the level of depth and pathos you evoke with each character you play is staggering. When you Aww. drop into character, I follow behind without the slightest friction. The authenticity of every word makes me think you must have a theater background. Also, the snark is so good. <laughs> you are very welcome for the snark. Funny enough, uh, the most theater experience I have was in an eighth grade speech class. Otherwise, <laughs> I've just always been a fan of the world of theater, but I've never actually been involved. So thank you she for that high praise. The world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm I, the only theater kid, right? Yes. As yes. a group? Yeah. I just alone. grew up mimicking yeah. accents on TV because I thought it was fun. I watched a lot of BBC. <laughs> She's just a weirdo. I am just a weirdo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Heather, I didn't know how you were going to follow up on yours, but I'm already just as invested in Masika and Narmer. There's a certainty to how you play your characters, even if the character themselves is uncertain. You know exactly how they'd act or think, or at least that's how it comes across. Oh, thank you. Nice. Look at that. Very nice. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it's kind of like Christmas. It's, it's like double Christmas for me. And I'm very happy that <laughs> I am you posting. Get to read this. <laughs> no, because I like my paragraph a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, that's me. <laughs> Don't tell the others, but you're my favorite. <laughs> oh, that's a sour note right there. She's doing her whole uh, Korean flower pose too. I am. The difference between Sagira and Hollis is vast. But you seem to transition there and back with ease. I also appreciate you playing LGBTQIA characters. There's still really mm -hmm. not enough representation out there, and you do thoughtfully and with nuance. Aww. That is very true. That is very true. Little do you know, I just use different parts of my personality. That's how I get from Sagara <laughs> to Hollis so easily. Because yep. you're just a little weirdo. Yep. Yeah. We're just just because the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't want it. All right. <laughs> Like a Jordan. That's me. My mom makes fruitcake every Christmas. She calls it Christmas cake and she pawns it off on people. It makes me laugh. Yep. Anyway. I'm still not going to eat it. Anyway, uh, Jordan. <laughs> it's odd considering how serious a character Sudi is, as well as your battle Oracle and Tyrant's Grasp. Sorry, I forgot his name. I only listened to the three free episodes. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh Octavius. Uh, compared to your personality out of character, you play both serious and silly characters with a tremendous amount of skill, which is an impressive feat. It's because he oh, like is you. the theater boy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, I'm, the I'm the theater boy. I was also, uh, just like uh, Rachel, I was also the weirdo who always, I was the weirdo who made his own sound effects when he was walking around because I was that kind of kid. Do. I definitely still do. <laughs> yeah. 
at one point I had somebody that was like, you have a voice for radio. You should do like, you know, some voice acting or something. And I was like, oh, no, I want to be a real actor. And then I realized voice acting is actually way harder. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Although it's a lot more fun. I have a lot more fun in voice acting. I would love to do some voice acting. I have no and idea then, how to break into that. And then but... Nolan North stepped out and punched him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I'd be so happy if Nolan North was in, in proximity to me to where he could punch me in the face. He's a pleasant yeah, Nolan fellow. North, if you're listening, we love you. Speaking uh-huh. of punching Jordan yeah. in the face... Ross. <laughs> what? I don't know. Uh, Ross is not here, but we will, uh, somebody, you know, Skype him in real quick. Ross, yep. admittedly, I've only just been introduced to you as part of the podcast, but it will be weird going back to not having you in the main plot line. Or you could just stay. <laughs> you know, nice. I think we need, we probably did need we, to Skype Ross in for that one. <laughs> we, I know, that was good. We tried. But unfortunately, uh, Ross's agent negotiates very high. And by that, I, I mean his cat. If you want more <laughs> Ross cat. and yeah. to remember Tyrant's Jordan's grass. character's name from Tyrant's Grasp, you should subscribe <laughs> to the Patreon. <laughs> and more of all of our antics, really. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I, would, I would definitely say if you like what we're doing, Tyrant's Grasp is really good. I'll also say, since I'm your favorite, that if you think Hollis and Segura <laughs> are fun. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Elsa is <laughs> something else. Ain't got nothing on Elsa. And if you if you can't subscribe to the Patreon, um, check out Dark Moon Vale if you haven't. Ross yeah, GMs that. Yeah, yeah, Ross GMs yeah. that. That's, that's on, on our, yeah, that's our other uh, podcast feed, uh, Find the Path Ventures. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. It's, of course, a difficult time for a lot of people right now. So uh, not being able to support on the Patreon, we yeah. certainly understand. Yes. Yeah. We still love you, especially me. <laughs> just like it because you're, you're the favorite. I like to be the favorite. You're Jess's favorite listener now. Oh, you never know she was an, she's an only child. I talked to so many people. I can't have a favorite. I hate to point this out, Jess, but you read the quiet part out loud. <laughs> I did, but that's because I also was like, you need to know I am amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's been a rough week. Okay. All. You have an incredible chemistry and seem to have a lot of fun together. Your knowledge and passion, whether for Pathfinder or Egyptology, you keep making me laugh at work, but it's a price I'm willing to pay. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, you'll be back. We're all, we're all about the shenanigans <laughs> here. It's true. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of toxicity in the history of the hobby, so it means a lot that yeah. your podcast really models what a good table looks like. In total, thank thanks for sharing your joy with the wider RPG community. Y'all rock. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Aww. Except then they have a bunch of questions, so it's not the end. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Questions. <laughs> there was praise and questions? Those questions, yeah. actually. Goodness. All right. Those questions. Okay. They're actually good questions. Well, I mean, they're all, we always get good questions, but you know what I mean. All right. <laughs> Question one. What motivated you to create the podcast, especially in the context of the sheer volume of actual play podcasts out there? For the record, I'm extremely happy you did. Rick said, hey, you want to do a podcast? And I said, okay, that's, that oh, no, was no. mine. <laughs> it goes back further than that. We yeah. started as a YouTube group. Yeah, and we it did. was, hey, I want to put these videos together. Do you guys want to help? And little theater boy Jordan said, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, then and then we just wanna all be started making And then wannabe theater girl Rachel was like, I've got costumes. And then the, <laughs> and then the videos got, kind of got hard to hard. do. And then Rick was like, let's do a podcast. And we were like, okay. And Jessica's like, oh, I'm going to play a game? Cool. <laughs> Jess just likes to play. Yeah. I suppose from the side of the person who, I guess, put a lot of thought into this as opposed to just showing up. Uh, <laughs> hey. I, cons- hey. I especially, I think this is true considering the, the feedback that we've gotten, the feedback that you just gave us. But I felt that there was a space out there that was available for what we do. Uh, for the style of game that we played and that there was an appetite for something that takes the game seriously, but are still having fun with each other while we do it. You know, mm-hmm. actual nerds actually playing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, all, all the other groups out there, you know, they're they're nerds and such. And I also listen to podcasts and enjoy a lot of actual play podcasts out there. But I felt that there was room in that space for our voice and that it would connect with people. And I can only say that I'm overjoyed that it has connected with as many people as it has. Yeah, I still think we only have like 100 followers. And then Rick's like, hey, there's like 10,000 subscribers. And I'm like, what? Yeah, Yeah. it's It's super surreal. Yeah, very surreal. Like, I don't believe it most days. Well, and because you go to your day job and you're like, I'm just a person. And then you're like, oh, but a lot of people listen to me play this silly game on the weekend that I also (laughs) have. 
Yeah, it's yeah. it is funny talking out to like to real people, and they're like, you know, getting real to know people. you, and they're like, so what do you do on the weekends? And it's like, well, you know, I produce the a very large podcast for Dungeons and Dragons offshoot called Pathfinder, and they're just like glazed over. They're like, what the heck are you talking yeah, about? This? <laughs> I, I love my coworkers to death, but yeah, they're just like, what? <laughs> you know? Oh, I was just gonna say, I had a classmate who I told about it, and then he immediately went and binged listened to it. Came back to me the next day and was like, dude. My favorite character is Sudi. <laughs> Everyone loves Sudi. Everyone loves Sudi. is everybody's favorite catfolk. Yes. You can't deny because I'm the only catfolk in any actual play as far as I know. So, hey. And in addition to just the, the desire to, to get our voices out there and play the game, I will say that one of the, the benefits that I had not even realized that when we started this is how much recording this really puts you in the moment. The ability for any of us to go back and listen to what we had before. I feel more immersed in the story of Mummy's Mess than I probably have in any adventure path that I've ever run before. Hmm. I think because I have to listen to it so many freaking times. <laughs> I think it's also like the thing about it is we were always wanting to be better and to get better at the recording and everything. And it's really pushed yeah. us as players, not just as, you know, professionals recording our voices and microphones, but like as actual gaming professionals, I guess, for lack of a better term, to really try to be better and to make more evocative stories and get to the point where, where we and our characters are actually crying, you know, like really pushing <laughs> yeah. that envelope of role play. Acting. Sometimes it's real tears. It's not acting. Oh, no, there's definitely, not, there's 100% been real tears. I'm not that kind of actor. If I'm crying, I'm crying. Although I cry at like the drop of a hat. Okay. Number two. Acting. Are there any pitfalls early in the podcast you wish you could warn your past selves about? Uh, yeah. Oh, God. That time Jordan didn't press record on an episode. Yeah, the time we lost an entire episode because I didn't record. Um, we won't, we won't I, say I, which one. No. Yeah. Uh, it was very early in Not the Not doing podcast. a character voice from the beginning. Yeah, that was definitely one. Uh, how, um, how, about, how about everyone throws out one? Okay, I did mine. Okay. I'll be a little selfish on this. I wish we had practiced using the mics a little bit more at the beginning because one of the things that I did when I started was I was used to not sitting in one place and talking. And so my voice would kind of dopple all over the place as I'm talking because I was, I'm literally shifting all around. And so the sound came out kind of weird and some episodes you can barely hear me and all that stuff. And I wish we had just practiced with the mics a little bit more before we actually started recording them for real. I'm actually, that was what I was going to say. Uh, I do wish that we'd had more practice with the mic of actually hearing how we sounded so that it, you know, it didn't take us so long to realize, oh, for some reason, even though Rachel is a loud mouth in real life, uh, for some reason she comes in real low on the mic. And <laughs> it, that would have been nice to figure it out. So I know that I got to like eat the mic whenever I'm, you know, recording. <laughs> Um, nom, nom. Like honestly, nom, nom. we did we did have to re-record an episode. We won't tell you which one. I just wish we were more aware of the technical difficulties that could arise in this because we've had a few other speed bumps where we've had to kind of finagle things, and it just would have been nice to be, I guess, more familiar with all of the equipment when we started, so we would have had a little bit of a cleaner start. But I think we caught on the very quickly, and we haven't had to we haven't had any mishaps knock on wood everyone on the planet please in a long yeah. time <laughs> hey tires grasp is clean af it starts yeah. sweet was, keeps going i was gonna say we've definitely gotten a lot better in the intervening two years i'll throw out i'll throw out two one from an editing perspective because that's more of a behind the scenes sort of thing but from a game mastering perspective i was unaware that i had weird verbal tics like using wood oh, all yeah. the time all of us have oh, some yeah. weird verbal tics. we all yeah, have we all weird, have weird tics I've also realized after afterwards listening to some other people that I've taught how to play the game that other people also adopt that in large part Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say when I GM, I do the same thing, including using the wood I, thing because, because apparently my GM voice is just Rick coming out of my mouth. It's weird. <laughs> it's super yeah. weird. And I learned how to play D and D yeah. with Rick way back in high school, so I had that mannerism because I that's how the DM talked, so that's how I described my character's actions. But I am extraordinarily thankful to one everyone who powered through that. And to the people that pointed that out to me with constructive criticism to bring that to my attention, that that was an issue that some people had. I also sometimes pronounce things weird because I grew up reading a whole lot and not hearing words said. But and from the editing side, and this is just a small thing, having Sirenscape on its own separate channel, it makes yeah. the edits yeah. really clean. If I, I wish I had known that for the beginning because the edits are a little bit choppy for about the first 20 episodes or so until we move Sirenscape over to its own separate channel. At which point, it just hides the edits seamlessly. 
I could probably make a laundry list of the editing things I've learned, but I won't. That's the big one. Blog post. That's what you can do. With that. <laughs> Excellent. For those of us producing our own podcasts. Mm-hmm. All right. Andrew concludes. I'm strongly considering joining your Patreon, both current events oh, hey. being what they are. I'm pretty judicious with where I donate money. And we totally understand yep. that. Yeah, yeah, no, we 100% get that. Yeah, we get it. We get it. But if you want to come on over like the Wada's Wub. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, she means frozen as the dead. <laughs> it is what you make of it. Uh, yep. Eternally at your service. Optimist. Andrew. Aw, thank you oh, for all nice. the praise. Yeah, at your service. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was kind of email. awesome. And by kind of, right. I mean super awesome. That was excellent. All right. Last email from Nikolai in Moscow, Russia, who's obviously oh. from Irisen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is he the first person we've talked to who's from Russia? I don't know. Because that's, that's probably cool. not ever. That's super cool, man. So Irisen, White, White, White Throne? Throne? Yeah. Yeah, White Throne. White Throne, that's sure, why not? That, that, what, that's the capital, so it makes sense. I mean, Arison yeah. is just pretty cool in general, let's yeah. be honest. But, like but just in case City wants, maybe, you know, also has like a, a beachfront place somewhere down in like, I don't know, the shackles. A nice like hut, <laughs> oh, yeah, hut there on go. the Vacation edge of the home. Yeah, in, yeah. in case you're tired of the cold. That's true. <laughs> I don't actually know if it's cold there all the time or if that's just a stereotype. All right. First of all, I want to use an opportunity to tell everybody hi. Hello. Hello. myself in the future. Hi. <laughs> you guys are doing a great job. I accidentally found you in the podcast section. Basically, it's my first podcast that I'm listening to. Oh, cool. Oh, thank wow. you. Thank you for well, sticking you. with us. You always remember so your first. Far, yeah. So far, I've got to episode 48, but it's nice oh. to have an extended podcast feed so I can enjoy it longer. There you go. Nice. At some point, you're, you're about to get to some really heavy episodes there. <laughs> I was gonna, say, I was gonna say you're about to get to some like serious episodes. Episode 50 is especially good. <laughs> totally saying that selfishly. Well, yep. Uh, we have been playing 3.5e since 2004. I tried 3.0 AD&D, then shifted to Pathfinder. Tried Starfinder, but classic fantasy atmosphere is irre- irreplaceable. That's fair. I, I like Starfinder. Starfinder's fun. I, I, like Starfinder. I enjoy fun. Starfinder, but I am still down to my core a fantasy fan. Yeah, me too. I have a hard time doing Starfinder seriously because yeah. it's kind of wacky. Starfinder's fun. <laughs> like, it's fun in that way of, like, it's fun to be wacky. In Russia, role-playing is a very rare hobby. Mostly, it's unheard of. Even now that there are popular tabletop games, role-playing is still rare. Hmm. 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 That's interesting. Of course, today, it's so much better compared to what it was 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, in 2004 imagine. and five, we had to buy a single set of dice and a monster manual in English in St. Petersburg. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, wow. Which wow. is somewhat more receptive to foreign culture, even though... Um, you might live in Moscow, which should have already been filled with such supplements. Wow. 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 Yeah, that's, that's, well, thank you for going really out of your way to, yeah. to play the game. <laughs> yeah. Bravo. Anyway, I'm glad you're doing that podcast. I already tried Critical Role, watched Harmon's Quest, but your style, your format fits better for me. Well, thank awesome. you. Well, thank oh, cool. you. Oh. That's excellent. I, I personally am a fan of Critical Role, so. I have got some ideas and notes, both as a player and a GM from your podcast. Uh, his group's been playing almost 16 years. Oh, wow. wow. That's excellent. Yeah, it's really cool. That's solid. Uh, but I still see ways, uh, especially after your podcast, the ways to improve games and make, make things better as far as acting and things like that. Well, we're still learning that too, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never stop improving. So thank you for all of that. Also, I admire the focus and concentration on the game and narration. I remember you were discussing that matter and that you have a sort of deal of no phones, no table talking, but that still requires a er, strong feat of will. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Everyone loves their phones. It is just part of what modern society is. To be clear, we do use our phones at the table, but it's to look up like spells or feats or anything else that like reference material type stuff that we might need. I freely allow people to throw dice at other people's heads if they use their phones for anything else. <laughs> that may have happened once or twice. Right. And then we've got <laughs> that a is a questions. joke. Do not put anyone's eye out. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Unless it's Sydney. Um, uh, oh, in the jar. Right in the jar with you. In the jar. <laughs> this is one of your, only your third contribution to the eye jar. Anyway, first question. Why have you decided to make a podcast? How uh, did you all agree to that adventure? <laughs> That's so funny. See the previous well, answer that Rick yeah, was like, see hey, previous hey, answer. The second like, part of that. back about five minutes. But how did we all agree to the adventure? Yeah. I think we had already been planning to play. We, okay, so yeah, we were we when we were still playing without recording, we scheduled two to three adventure paths ahead what we were going to yeah. play. Yeah. So we were, I was in the middle of GMing Iron Gods and I was going to pick up Mummy's Mask after that. 
And uh, we were just like, I mean, looking around and saying, okay, nobody else is doing Mummy's Mask. We're already excited to be doing it. Yeah. So it seemed like a natural mesh for us to go with Mummy's Mask. Plus, we're all Egyptology nerds. So yeah. it just kind of filled in that way. The big contributing factors for it were, one, we all love the setting as mm-hmm. far as the Osirian setting. And it seemed like it was going to be a lot of fun to to do. And... Yeah, we did a little bit of that. Uh, what's the proper term for that, Jessica? Uh, opposition Competitive research. Competitive analysis. <laughs> opposition research. Yeah, yeah. yeah where oh, we no, went market out, research. Market research, where where we went out and went, okay, so this is what everyone else is doing. No one's doing Mummy's Mask, so why not us? Yep. And if you're going to dive into doing an actual play podcast, it's best not to do something like Giant Slayer, that there's already mm-hmm. a well-established podcast doing Giant Slayer. And we wanted to do War for the Crown, but we wanted to launch it before. I think we launched before War for the Crown came out. Yeah. 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 I think I think the the word on it was on the horizon. But yeah, that was just a large part of it. And other than that, it uh, it gave me a chance to use a lot of sound sets. I don't normally get to use in Sirenscape. It's Desert. True. Lots of wind. Um, kind of a follow up. Your timing is so comfortable at around 60 minutes. We play at least three to four hours or even eight hours long. Wow. Of course, most of them go more dragged. You, on the other hand, managed to store one to two encounters, social integration, role play for characters and narrative, all in a short time frame. Uh, the question is, were there other timing blocks, I guess, that you were discussing? Discussing? I don't think so. Uh, no. I thought at one point about before we started the podcast, we would play for four hours at a time. Mm. Yeah. And I considered doing recording for four hours and then breaking up each recording session into a part one, part two, and then eventually just decided while we do play for four hours, people would routinely get up and go to the restroom or get up and go get a drink or be able to snack during the games when we're not being recorded. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm fine asking these people to record this stuff for the next five years of their lives, but I'm not okay (laughs) with asking them not to eat for four or five hours at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Sit in a chair without moving. We get hangry. Yeah. My big thing is that I have uh, tennis you need and not nice friend. <laughs> injuries. Yes, I have tennis injuries from back in the day that kind of prevent me from being able to sit for long periods of time without major fidgeting or having to get up or all this stuff. So, yeah, that was kind of another part of it is like factoring in that yeah, we all getting old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was also like it, it, playing your game casually is much different than recording it. So, yeah. you know, for us, we're having to have like a proper posture and we're trying yeah. to keep the energy up. Yeah. And that's over four hours. It, it's increasingly hard to do and, that. You know, and we've always played, we've talked about how we've always played our games with our characters, role playing, a very invested. But when you're recording it, it's like you're even more laser focused. And that mm-hmm. can be draining. Like sometimes when we're done recording, I'm like, oh, thank God, I can't do this anymore today. <laughs> especially on the on the hard episodes like the really emotional episodes like that takes so much out of us i also this just kind of a behind for the gm sort of thing is i find having the shorter time frame keeps me focused uh just like heather was saying with the laser focus there sometimes i'll just go on a tangent and describe something for 20 freaking minutes where it's just like let let me describe this vase to you in (laughs) intimate detail okay tolkien uh (laughs) yes Uh, at the very least i i I wish i was uh george r R. martin levels of describing an entire mill to you every time you sit down gracious and then with this i look over the clock and i go i'm going to keep this description short because i need them to stab something Mm mm-hmm so mm-hmm. keep a good balance. All right. Uh, number three, I want to play some sessions with you. <laughs> Guess what? Friend? Oh, you're in luck. If you go to our Discord, we have Discord in Russia, right? Yes. As far as I know. Yes. Um, the link to yeah. it is on our website, find-path.com. Uh, you can play with, I know that I play on the Discord. Jordan plays a little bit. Ross plays on there sometimes. But also other Pathfolk play either over like virtual tabletops like Roll20 or play-by-posts which is really, really helpful if you're like really busy and you can only check in a couple of times a day or whatever. Yeah. And I will say that um, from playing with our path folk, they play very similar to us, um, which I think is amazing. So it, pretty much any group that you you jumped in with, whether it's society or, a, or an adventure path or anything, you're going to have a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, every game I've played has been just spectacular with the path folk. 
I don't doubt. Let's see. The only thing that bugs me is that that in almost a week, the party got from level one to four or so. That's a little bit too fast for my taste. But it mm-hmm. seems like a normal thing as far as I'm concerned. That's just the progression of the book. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Sometimes it's like that where you gain a couple levels in a week and sometimes it's, you know, 10 years to get your next level. So <laughs> it just depends on the pacing of the story, I guess. Yeah. The only adventure path that I think really breaks up the leveling up is uh, Kingmaker. Yeah. Because there's so much traveling years. between places. And, it, you know, at the very least at that point, it's a couple of weeks before you level up a couple of times. Anyway, as our group uh, has gotten 26 plus old, you know, uh, we haven't had as much time to gather for play as frequently as we did in the past. So we decided to run roleplay marathons once every three or four months. It's just a long session that's 12 plus hours, usually not connected with the current campaign. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, that's Order of the Amber Die levels right there. I mean, if you got a comfy chair, you can pull it off, but... uh, (laughs) Some of us can't do that. You have anymore. a comfy chair and a lot of monster energy drinks. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. 12 hours straight. Like, I mean, good gracious. No, I don't even know if I Heather's can do that. Heather's probably got them all hoarded in the corner. Shh. <laughs> 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 anyway. Uh, anyway, have a nice game from Russia, Moscow, with love and ah. dice and rolling and typing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Nicola. You. you know, I've always wanted to go to Russia. I love I the architecture. Yeah, the architecture fun. is fantastic. Like I've always, yeah. like I, I want to go anywhere, but like the world is just so crazy right now. We can't go anywhere, and it makes me sad. It's true. Mm. We Americans are not allowed out of our country. Nope. No, for good reason. Yeah, for good reason. Point, for very good reasons. Yes. Please wear masks. <laughs> well, that's it for our uh, emails. We had some yeah. some meaty meaty boys today. <laughs> So we're going to cast a deity. Oh, yeah, boy. Who we got? Go ahead and roll me. Hey, go ahead and bounce me a d12. Nine. Oh, where's Ross when we knew? Oh. We already cast Iomade. Ha <laughs> All right. So for this week, we are going to cast Kurgus the Strongman. Oh, nice. Once a mortal farm boy from Taldor who had superhuman strength from youth, Kurgus' self-sacrifice on the field of competition heralded his rise to godhood. Known as the strongman, Kurgus stands as both champion and shining example to those who seek athletic achievement to give their all in competition, regardless of whether they are victorious or not. Whether they're priests or lay believers, Kurgis believes that the strength of body and strength of character are the twin pillars that flank the gates of Nirvana, and most train tirelessly to achieve these ideals. Worshippers of Kurgis revel in their strength, eager to show off. This is motivated less by pride, however, than by a desire to inspire others to strive for their own potential. I already know who I'm doing. I know exactly who I'm picking. While the teachings of Kurgis emphasize physicality, wizards and other students of magic occasionally find inspiration in the strongman's example, delving into the study of magic with the same zeal more traditional worshippers apply to physical exercises. Some spellcasters believe that keeping one's body in good shape helps keep one's mind just as sharp, and they actively seek to bolster their physical prowess as part of their path towards developing their mental acuity and endurance. Regardless of their methods, Kyrgyzians are commonly jovial and encouraging, even to their rivals, and their companions often cannot help but be inspired by their enthusiasm. Totally know who I'm doing. I 100% mm-hmm. know who I'm going with. All right, Jess, you got yours. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No! Mine too. Mine That's too. That's exactly what I was going to pick. So me, Jordan, and Jess are all for Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I mean, Dave Batista was up there. I, I was thinking Dave Batista, but the thing about it is the description is he Happy. inspires yeah, people yes. with a jovial nature. Uh-huh. And so, if you've ever seen the Titan games on uh, NBC, yeah. like that show is Fantastic! So my favorite show on TV. All right, well, so that's, that's a little I don't know. It's my little much, but like I like that show a lot. All right, anybody else? I went for something different because okay. I heard the word jovial, and I heard strongman, and the first thing that popped in my head was Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant's a great choice too because he like like there's so many stories of him being like one of the nicest people in Hollywood and. I don't know. He's just, he's Andre the Giant. He was all about being strong, but also being good to people. All right. I've also got a counterpoint here too, because uh, every time that I've ever seen him do like encouraging workout videos and all the rest of that stuff, he's such a happy person. Are you doing Henry Cavill? Uh, No. Although I was tempted. (laughs) Arnold. Uh, Nope. Chris Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth is such a nice guy and he loves like the physicality that he brings to all of his roles. Like, 
I remember a conversation that he had that he was sitting there with Chris Evans and they're both talking about their diet and Chris Evans like, yeah. And then they make me like I have to eat like two chickens a day, like a tire chickens a day. And then Chris Hemsworth just smiling and nodding. He's like, I actually get to eat three. Like it, was, <laughs> like it was a competition. And also like it was a pleasure to eat three whole chickens a day to maintain Gracious. his mass. See, I really thought Jess was going to go for Terry Crews. Terry Crews was also on my short list. <laughs> He's on my short list, but The Rock. I don't the think he would have to like, play a role. He, he would just be, just be himself. himself. Yeah, yeah. Like Kirk is The Rock Johnson. It's, yeah, it's, it's The Rock. So we yeah. have three I'm, for the rock. I'm still going with Andre the Giant. I'm, I think he's perfect. I love Andre the Giant, though. Like he was as as many difficulties as he dealt with in his life. He was always such an exuberant person. Did yeah. so much for kids. He did. And he yeah, was in the Princess did. Bride as Fezzik. And <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. No, All I right. think I think All that right. gives good three options for people. Yep. It's, it's definitely the rock, y'all. It's the Andre the Giant. Yeah, I was going to say three out of five. Uh, <laughs> I need all my Princess Bride fans to come out of the woodwork and help me out with this boat. That's what I need. (laughs) Heather, Jess, and I will split the win if uh, everybody votes for The Rock. If you love the three of us. Yeah. Andrew, you better vote for The Rock. (laughs) You're welcome. I need to get on the board in this uh, this round of casting deities. Although when, when I was reading the intellectual part, all I was thinking was the whole, uh, I don't know if everyone else has seen the vi- video of Henry Cavill building his gaming computer. Oh my yes. God. That's so awesome. Dude, Henry Cavill like, is just Superman just staring at this, staring back, staring at this. But Henry Cavill's, he's not, he's very charismatic, but he's not really what I would describe as jovial. Yeah, yeah. Not in the same way yeah, that like the, yeah, the Rock is. Or, That's why I went with Andre to the Giant. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, Bye. 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 That was Bye, a bruff, Path Folk. Bye, Path Folk. Thanks for listening, Path Folk. And we hope that all of you are being safe and taking care of one another out there. Vote it's for true. The Rock. Come talk to us on Discord. <laughs> yes. Join our Patreon. Uh, respond yeah. to the episodes and vote on Reddit. Follow us yep. on Twitter. We're, we are we are so findable. Leave yeah. reviews. Find the path. Find, find the path. Find, find the path. It's very find easy. Above. Hashtag find, find the path. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yes, excellent. Goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kirk is the Rock campaign. Johnson. Yeah. We got our marketing campaign, though. Find, find the path. Find, find the path. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> find, like, post pictures of things Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.